1: Well, this week we are getting you ready for a Monday night matchup, not a Sunday game for the Seahawks, which means all eyes will be on the Seahawks and Niners on Monday night, which is what we are getting you ready for. Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the team, alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. John, is this a bigger matchup for you?
0: Sure, it can be for us. Look, I get why <laughs> Pete Carroll players have to treat every game the same. I completely get that philosophy. It works for them. As Bobby Wagner outlined. If you make a big deal of this game and treat it like a huge game, A, that can lead to guys over trying. You make a mistake you wouldn't usually make. And B, what happens the next week when it's not a quote-unquote big game? Do you let down? I don't know. So, anyway, I understand that philosophy from a team standpoint. But for us who just talk about it and write about it, yeah, it's a big game.
1: It's a fun game.
0: 8-0, you're trying to close the gap on the team leading the division Monday night. It's going to be... That stadium's probably going to be as full and as loud as maybe since they opened it because they've had some tough seasons there. So, yeah, it's. I'm really excited about this.
1: Yeah, it will be a fun one. We will get to the comments that Bobby made and what that means for the defense and kind of where this team is at. It has been a few days. It feels like when you get that extra day off before a Monday night game, it feels like our last game was so long ago. And we did get what I was hoping for, which is Bruce Arians a little salty after that when having to fly across the country. But what did we learn about the Seahawks last week? Because I think for as much as the excitement is building, over a 7-2 and two record, you're also getting a little bit more angst at the way these games are playing out.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, what we learned is what we've continued to know is that this offense is not just a pretty good offense. It's one of the best offenses in the NFL. They're running the ball well. Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP. Tyler Lockett's having one of the best years of any Seahawks receiver in history. DK Metcalf had a huge game. Love what the offense is doing, but the defense is a little concerning. I mean, Bobby Wagner in the locker room afterwards was pretty blunt that they, you know, that wasn't good enough. They need to be better. And if this team is going to win enough games in the second half to reach the goals they want to reach, that defense needs to improve.
1: The kicking game might need to improve as well. That was uncharacteristic. If you look at Jason Myers over his career, I'm not sure if you could say it's uncharacteristic of what we have seen at times this season. I'm not surprised that Pete offered support of Myers. How much concern do we place on Sunday's performance versus anything else that could happen?
0: I mean, we'll see. He's got to bounce back from it. That, that position's it's such a mental position that if guys let it get in their head and they have a few bad games in a row, you really worry about where it's going to go for them. I, You know, they really like him. He had a great year last year, and I, I hope we're going to see him bounce back strong as the kind of thing... If he can have a couple good games put that behind him, he could have a great rest of the season.
1: The one thing I will say for fans who watched the game on Sunday, the end zone that all of the misses came in, it is a tougher end for kickers. And part of it's just the way that the stadium is built. The winds are a little bit different. It's no excuse for missing, but I will say this. Santa Clara is not an easy place for kickers either. And I have seen some crazy balls and some crazy misses because of the wind that swirls there. First of all, you're going to get a wind. All game long. Second of all, depending on how high you kick that ball, it's going to be in a completely different current than what's actually on the field.
0: Well, let's, you know, just score in the red zone every time you don't have to worry about the field goals. How about that? So I solved it. You're Way welcome. To you're problem problem, Way no, to but be a problem solver. Way to be a problem solver. I mean, I, uh, look, it's it's not good when your kicker misses three kicks in a game, but they've got faith in him. And you kind of, ha- I mean, what do you want him to say? You can't, if, if you're a head coach, you got to back the guy unless you want to make a change. And, they put you know they put a lot of faith in him they signed him to a big deal this offseason and they're counting on him getting back to being the kicker he was last year
1: you know, Pete Carroll said some interesting things about a couple of, co- a couple of players on the defense. And I'm going to go with Ziggy Ansah first, because we have talked about where is this pass rush? Where is this pass rush? How come Ziggy isn't doing more opposite Jadavion? We get a little bit more insight from Pete this week.
2: He's still, he's still battling. I think he's still battling physically to get back to right. He's not, he's he still not gained all his weight yet back. You know, he's still in the two fifties. And, and so he is on a regimen to continue to get stronger and to keep working to get back to full go, you know, and, and, uh, the offseason t- took a big toll on not being able to use his shoulder and not be able to, to run and do stuff that he needed to do. So he's still developing. So we're, I'm on. It's, a, it's still a developmental campaign to get him back to full go, and, and he plays really hard, and, he, and he's smart, and he does things right. Um, I think that the production should show. It should come up, and, and uh, so we're going to stay after it.
1: So does this make a little bit more sense with what we're seeing?
0: Yeah, and, I, you know, I think to an extent we all knew that might be going on. Pete Carroll just hadn't really – verbalized it quite that way but this was a guy that missed a ton of time you know he got back for the start or just after the start of the season but when you know with that serious shoulder injury when you can't lift weights this is not one of those guys that's just a naturally hulking guy I mean, he was a track athlete he was a guy that you know played basketball this isn't a guy who's naturally going to be 275 he's got to work hard to be there so yeah it's you know as Pete said he plays hard we've seen some Great hustle plays out of him. The forced fumble and recovery in Cleveland was a great play. But the the pass rush production just hasn't been there. They need, whether it's him or Quentin Jefferson getting back healthy, they need people to step up because Clowney's playing great. The sack numbers aren't there, but he's playing really good football. But if teams can double team him every week and they're not getting burned by it by somebody else getting the sacks, that's going to hurt the Seahawks defense.
1: So what is the answer for the defense? Because you can only go so long, and I know what the numbers say. And look, if you can win these close games early, you really do set yourself up for some success later because everybody has said it is about the mental fortitude to withstand some of this. And we know that the Seahawks can do that and win close games because of all of the games that have been decided by less than a touchdown. But is there a fix for the defense so that those numbers do start going up.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how easy it is, but I think the, the number one thing we, is what we're just talking about. They need to affect the passer more. A lot of these passing numbers we've seen the last couple weeks have come in part because they're not getting to the quarterback and making his job harder. I think it'll help a little bit if they settle into If – we'll see what happens with Diggs when he comes back and where he fits in, but if they find ways to maybe get all three safeties on the field – Maybe just your overall quality of play in the secondary is better. Maybe it's just Marquis Blair and Bradley McDougal getting time together, being comfortable together. So you have a little more continuity on the back end, that'll help. But yeah, the biggest thing is gonna be whether it's on so whether it's blitzing a little more. They've had some success with that. Kendricks has three sacks, but they gotta find a way to make life harder on quarterbacks one way.
1: The Seahawks have had seven of their nine games decided by a touchdown. So every play becomes a very important play. And this goes back to what you said to start this entire segment today. And that is the discipline that you have to have to treat every game as if it is a championship opportunity. And Bobby keeps talking about the discipline needed on the defense if they look at this game as anything other than the next game on the schedule, you are going to have guys over trying. And that's one thing that he and KJ pointed to the last couple of weeks as being a really big problem. You know, you're not trusting your teammates. Maybe that is just playing alongside each other a little bit more. But this could be a problem on Monday if guys don't trust the the man playing next to them.
0: Yeah, and especially when you, you said the word discipline against this defense where there's going to be, you know, a lot of play action. They're really good at disguising, you know, making everything look the same run and pass. So, you know, KJ Wright talked about that with Shanahan. He joked that, you know, it, it when you watch them on film, it seems like Shanahan must stay up 24 hours a day designing plays. They make it tough on you. And, yeah, if, if those guys aren't all on the same page, being disciplined in their run fits, it, it could be tough. So, yeah, it's, this, is a, this is a really good test for this defense to to show that they're improving.
1: You talk about the run fits. The Niners have three running backs that have had over three hundred yards. They are one of the best rushing offenses in the league, and you've got Jimmy Garoppolo completing seventy percent of his passes.
0: Yeah, they're. I mean, <laughs> this team. There ain't no. For I a love reason. that. I just they, like made you, you speechless me. for yeah. a minute. I, I don't. Mean, I don't know where to go with this. They're they're a really good football team. They they play great defense. They run the ball their quarterback that that last game from Garoppolo was kind of the first time they've needed him to do what he did of throw for 300 yards. And I think it was four touchdowns and kind of help carry that offense because the run game you mentioned is so good. You know, if there's a tiny weakness there, he Garoppolo has turned the ball over a decent amount. I think he has what seven interceptions, maybe again, goes back to, if you can get some pressure, you can force some bad decisions, but to put him in that situation, you got to stop that run game which as you said you know they're number 2 in the NFL they've had i think 3 games over 200 rushing yards this season 3 different backs getting it done and they you know they can d- they can kind of scheme it up to look different and do some sort of exotic runs that aren't, aren't easy to stop necessarily so again the word of the week is discipline
1: 171 average rushing yards a game for the Niners that is second in the league behind only Baltimore. They have more rushing attempts per game than any other team. They average 37.9 rushing attempts. That is I mean but that's crazy. A, that also means that the heavy package for the the defense and yeah. the Seahawks are going to need to be on the field. Those guys you talk about Keeping guys fresh and being able to stay disciplined, you're going to have to get a good rotation on that defensive line. Quentin Jefferson is going to be huge. Puna Ford is going to be a huge guy in the middle this week because there's no way you can keep guys fresh enough to be able to go eight or nine deep that in a game like yeah. this. That, that's, that's a good point. It, which is exactly why the Seahawks have put resources into bulking up that defensive line. Let's flip the conversation to the other side and the 49ers defense because this is going to be a tough challenge
2: it's a really good group yeah i think they're the top group in 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 the whole league and and uh just their style of play the, the way they're coaching them uh, nick bosa adding Two, those guys has been a big a big addition um d ford is 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 really fitting really well in the, on the third down situations so they're they're flying and uh they're you know they're about as good as you can hope to be now they're they're really they're getting it done
1: so you're looking at guys like DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and you don't have to think that they're one of the best. They are, in fact, the best. Their defense allows 241 yards a game, 300, one, excuse me, let me start that again, 138 passing yards a
0: game. Yep. Yeah, 10 interceptions, second best opponent passer rating in the NFL. They're, that defense front to back is so good. And as Pete Carroll was just talking about in that clip, their pass rush, they've got Bosa's got seven sacks. I think Armstead's got five and a half. A couple more guys with four, and it's just there's five first round picks in that defensive line rotation. They went out and add D four in a trade. It's just it's a loaded group. They've made it life really tough on opposing quarterbacks.
1: Well, and part of it is. That opposing quarterbacks have had to throw the ball because they have been behind, and when they are, the Niners are pressuring the quarterbacks on 31% of their dropbacks. The Hawks, meanwhile, are pressuring quarterbacks on 15%. Just as a point of comparison for folks that are watching the Seahawks every week and might not be keeping as close a tabs on San Francisco, nobody's really been able to run the ball very well on them, or nobody's able but be, been able to get an it's early lead, situation. right? Yeah. It's more situational, so... In context of what the Seahawks are doing, what does that mean?
0: I mean, I think it means you got to run the ball and not let the game get away from you. They, the 49 actually have given up some rushing yards in their last couple games. Arizona and, and Carolina both ran on them a little bit. So if there's a weakness there, and again, this is a great defense, but if there's a small weakness, I think their run defense is a little behind their pass defense, and they just lost their starting weak side linebacker, Quan Alexander. So I would think we're going to see Seattle try to run the ball to, keep that pass rush neutralized one and B one and B how about one and two or a and B? And I pick, pick, pick letters <laughs> or wasn't numbers here, gonna John be picky on Jeez, that one. That was bad. A keep the pass rush at bay and B just get the run going to help your offense move the ball and C, if you can control the time of possession a little bit. That'll obviously helped keep Garoppolo in that run game off the field.
1: Well, and, you know, it is one of the things the Seahawks were able to do last week against a team that does not give up rushing yards, but they kept at it with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. And you could see, I mean, there were some tough yards, and we talked about this during the game broadcast. One of the things that Brian Schottenheimer really talked to Chris Carson and Rashad Penny about was being decisive on those deciding runs. So the runs up the middle both guys are capable of creating things on the edges, but too often, particularly early in the game and early downs, you know, they were looking for more when all they needed to get were those two yards, and I think we saw that early on in the game, and then later in the game, you started to see those two-yard runs, a lot like when Marshawn used to do. Yeah, you saw those two-yard runs pounded. start getting into six, seven, ten
0: and, and Brian Schottenhammer talked about that. We saw a little bit of that against Baltimore. They have that really stout front. And Carson, some of those short yardage things instead of just pounding it up into traffic, he tried to bounce it out, and it didn't work out too well. They committed to it against a Tampa Bay-run defense that was statistically the best in the NFL and had a pretty good day on the ground. So, yeah, I, I think you need to be able to – they don't have to rush for 150 or 180 yards or but you need to have some success and be a little bit balanced in this game.
1: Given that the run game is going to be important, do you think that Chris Carson perhaps overthinks some of those techniques and mechanics that Pete pointed out got away from him with a couple of fumbles last week?
0: Yeah, I'll be curious to see because, I mean, last time the fumble issues, granted it was over a couple weeks, but last time when he did put it behind him, he bounced back with I think it was three straight 100-yard games, played really well right on the heels of those three fumbles early in the year, so... Uh, you know, I they're not going to lose faith in him, and I think he'll be able to put that behind him. But yeah, he needs to be more cautious with the ball. That you know, you can't keep doing that.
1: You know, we have gone several minutes now without mentioning the Seahawks' new addition, partly because we don't know what his role is going to be. But what are you getting the sense? Because you've been around the club a little bit more than I have this week. What are you getting the sense of Josh Gordon and how he fits in, how teammates have responded to him, and maybe even how he is responding to the chance?
0: Yeah, you know, we haven't got to hear from Josh yet. He'll talk to the media later this week, but his teammates are obviously excited about him and they're embracing him and hoping that this can be a good kind of change of scenery for him. Right now, I'd say the kind of theme around the team is cautious optimism, if you will, of they know what kind of player he can be, but... You're, you can't bring a guy in who hasn't played a lot in the last few years and expect him to just come in and be a total difference maker until you see him start to do it. They really obviously like their receivers. Tyler Lockett's having this great year, DK Metcalf doing what he's doing. So this isn't so much a huge need. It was, it's, Hey, this is a great potential talent available. Let's take a look. So right now it's wait and see what they got. You know, we'll see if he plays Monday. Sounds like he's got a decent shot too, but we won't know that till the end of the week. But Yeah, it's, I mean, the guy's a great talent, and if he can be anything close to the player he used to be, that's a heck of an addition for the second half.
1: What do you make of that move being used to, I don't want to say motivate DK Metcalf, because that's not the way I see this at all. I see this as an opportunity for the team to basically take a chance that has no downside. Exactly. And yet, there have been a lot of comparisons this week about body size, and I don't think anybody, A, in the Seahawks organization is disappointed by DK, thinks that he oh. should be doing more. I, I don't I don't understand where this is coming from outside of the fact that for the first time that I can remember, and certainly with Russ, you potentially have two legit huge wide receiving yeah. threats on the outside.
0: Honestly <laughs> I, I don't mean to Disparage fantasy football players, but I think some of what you're seeing about the DK, how's this going to affect him? Are people concerned about their fantasy teams? Um, <laughs> but yeah, if and anything- And you know what? That is legit. I do not play fantasy football. I, don't I
1: actually don't have time during the course of the week. Shockingly, we're preparing for our own but, game. But that actually makes a whole lot more sense because to me, it is mind blowing to think that people would be concerned about yeah. this.
0: And look, the Seahawks play a ton of 11 personnel. That's three receiver sets with one back and one tight end. If there's gonna if if Josh Gordon is good and healthy and ready to help this team, there's gonna be plenty of opportunities for him, Lockett and Metcalf to get the job done. So I, if anything, you might worry more about how it affects guys like Jeron Brown, David Moore, and down the line, but. I I think DK Metcalf has pretty much established himself as the Seahawks' number two guy right now, and he's going to be on the field a ton, whether Josh Gordon is or not.
1: And it's because of the technique, right? He's doing so many things right, and the, the way that he uses his body to get to balls, it truly is impressive for a rookie. And I also think that it's cool that Russ is getting these types of weapons at this point in his career. He is coming off yet another award-winning week for him, NFC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. He leads the franchise in those honors. It's the second time that he's earned that this year. And I'm not saying that he couldn't have done more with other guys in the past, but it just seems like it is building. Like, everybody's at the peak.
0: Yeah, right? I mean, it's... He's he's hit a new level, obviously, this year. We've seen him play the best he ever has. And then you add DK Metcalf, is just, he's different than anybody Russell Wilson's played with. I mean, Doug Baldwin's one of the best receivers in franchise history, and losing him is a blow. But when you replace him with somebody so different, it's just something Russell Wilson's never had of this true big fast. I mean, they've had some big guys, they but never to this level of the combination of Size, speed, and actual ability to play the position. Some guys are big and fast and aren't the most polished receivers, but Metcalf is kind of doing it all where he- you add him, and he's not even your number one guy. We're seeing Tyler Lockett just do insane things. It's, yeah. it's an exciting group.
1: It will make for a very fun Monday night game. Before we wrap up, we just have a couple of minutes left. We have not talked about the potential rivalry between Sherm and his former teammates, and I don't need to touch on that because I'm pretty sure it's going to take care of itself.
0: Although, can we sidebar? Bobby Wagner had the best assessment of Richard Sherman where somebody asked if He's gonna, you know, if he's still mad about the way things ended, and and Bobby basically said. I don't know if it, it – I don't, do not we have the sound clip? I don't know if we do. But he basically said uh, it might not bother him, but he'll make it bother him this week, yeah. which is just <laughs> – It's perfect, perfect. Right? Like That is so much of what Richard Sherman did was that like self-motivating and getting that chip on his shoulder. It, I That cracked me up. That was great.
1: That was great. And I would say that Sherman probably looks at this game a little bit differently. Before we tell people what we need to see from the Seahawks, let me just remind you, you will not hear any of this from the Seahawks because – this is Pete Carroll's philosophy.
2: No, no, it isn't in my mind. We, every game to us is a championship game regardless of who we're playing or where we're playing, what the situation is, what the schedule says, what the matchups are, what's happened before. And in that case, uh, there is no one game that's different than another. We don't want to do We want to play every game like it's the only game we got. And uh, that's how we approach it. And uh, so, no. I
1: feel like oh. that is the disclaimer that we need to play there because we are going to tell you this is a big game, right? Everybody in the country is going to watch this game. This yeah. rivalry is heating up. Awesome. I this I have a neighbor a who's a 49ers
0: game. fan, he's oh, from the Bay Area and that's tough. he's been chirping at me when we see each other. It's, it no, it's to me rivalries are great for fans. It's fun. It's Mike, great for the game. Like one of my best friends from college, one of my roommates is from the Bay Area. He's been he texted me this week, so it's you know it's it's really fun for football. But again, I totally get why a team can't look at it that way internally.
1: And so, what are you looking for from the Seahawks on Monday night?
0: A couple of things we've already t- touched on, but you need you're not going to keep that pass rush totally at bay, but you need to at least mitigate it a little bit. So I'm going to say. No more than three sacks, preferably less than that. But three, let's let's max it out at three. That's you know if you, for the if,
1: Niners' defense yes, against, against Russell. Russ. Yeah. Just Russ clarifying. can't get
0: sacked more. Than th- yeah, if our defense can get three, that'd be great. <laughs> um, be a good step in the right direction. And then uh, you know it's it's kind of easy to say turnovers because that's such a big factor in the game. But when you're on the road against a team this loaded, to me, winning the turnover battle is is the best way to kind of level the playing field. So let's let's say positive in the turnover battle and no more than three sacks allowed.
1: I'm going to go, I'd like to see Jason Myers just make sure that he's got his there confidence know. there. It could just be kicking extra points after touchdowns, but I don't want to see that go in the wrong direction. And on a personal note, I'd like to see, you know, DK or Josh matched up against Sherman.
0: Or Tyler, you know. That's Tyler's true. almost a tougher matchup. That, for that like is Sherman. true,
1: right? I just, I want to see that. I, I want to see our receiver come out on the winning end of that. Just, yep, I, 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 it's just fun. It's yeah. fun to talk about But we are done talking for today. We are out of time. We will be back with you next week. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast.